0: Hello, people of the way. Blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to Joshua chapter 12. Joshua chapter 12, we continue our study through the Old Testament. And here in Joshua 12, it's like a chronicle of events. Uh, if, uh, w- when you look at the book of 1st uh, and 2nd Kings and 1st and 2nd Chronicles, when you read those books, sometimes you know, it's like, you know, you get to the Chronicles, it's like, wait a second, I already studied this, wait a second, we already read this. Well, what First Kings, First and Second Kings, it's like uh, real-time events that are happening in Israel, They're real-time, like pre-captivity. But then when you get into the Chronicles, it's a chronicle of events. And so it's post-captivity. It is like a, you know, like a, 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 just a a chronicling of past events. So keep that in mind just for your own personal studies. And these are things that we're gonna mention when we we get into the Kings and the Chronicles is that first and second Kings, it's like the real time what's happening. And then in first and second Chronicles, post captivity what it's an accounting or a chronicling of the past events so there's going to be variations uh and not variations like in in terms of a deviation but variations in terms of lessons that have been learned you know and for us in our own personal walks with the lord you know it's very similar to our own chronicling of events now you know sometimes people do it like in, in journals or um uh, diaries will say, <laughs> but, you know, like, you know, like journaling, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you have, uh, 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 something that happens in real time. Uh, but then through journaling, there's an accounting of what happened. And, you know, sometimes through journaling, there is an accounting of what happened. Uh, but then also with, a, 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 you know, lessons learned in that chronicling, uh, you know, sometimes people do it in journaling or diaries, or, you know, sometimes people just do it mentally, you know, in in inside of our minds, like the aftermath of an event, after a lesson has been learned, and then, you know, there's the rejoicing, and, and sometimes rejoicing is after sorrow and repenting, I mean, depending on the the sequence of events, and depending on, uh, on 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 the actual account of what happened, it can be good, but it can also be bad. Uh You know, and it's so beautiful because when it is bad, you know what? We repent. We fall to our knees. We repent. We say, "Lord, you know, forgive me. I blew it." And you know, we continue in our journey together. You know, individually in Christ, but then together in Christ as one body. And you know, and then there's a chronicling where, you know, we remember and it's like, wow, Lord, you know, I remember your goodness. I remember, you know, this bad choice that was made. I remember this and but I also remember your goodness, Lord, and how good you were and how good not just you were, but how good you are. And then in our journey, the next time something happens where we're at another fork in the road, we remember his goodness. And it's like, wow, Lord, you know what? I'm done. You know, I I I've made a mistake here, but here we are at the fork in the road and no more. Lord, I've learned to walk with you and in you. And as your word says, you in me, you see. And so keep that in mind when we get into these Chronicling, and that's what Joshua twelve is. It's like a, a a chronicle, and then keep that in mind in your own personal studies. We'll get there eventually in First and Second Chronicles. It's post captivity lessons learned, a reaccounting of past events. But it's beautiful when you make the comparison between First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles. But we do it ourselves in our own life. Now I, I say we do it ourselves, and if you don't do that, start doing it. Start doing it. It's beautiful because you can reflect back. And yes, boneheaded mistakes—just straight up, like boneheaded. Like I can't believe this happened. And in some cases, devastating. And in some cases, you might have to reap what you have sown. You might have to reap what you have sown. I, I you know, I don't want to candy coat it and say like, you know, everything's gonna be fine and dandy. You know, everything's fine and dandy in terms of, you know, you're not gonna burn in hell. But I'm at. We still have to reap what we have sown. You know, sometimes people think like, you know, okay, I'm going to get right with God and you know, you know, uh, everything's fine and dandy and I'm I'm right with God. No, you're right with God, which is beautiful. Praise be to the Lord. But being right with people, that's going to take time. And sometimes bridges are already burnt. You know, the Lord can restore, the Lord can restore anything and anybody. But that's between a person and the Lord. You can't manipulate. You can't. It's strictly. That's the Lord's business. Only the Lord can change hearts. Only the Lord can change hearts. You see? Now, when people change hearts, it's not necessarily the person. It's Christ inside that person. You know, there's a reason why we place heavy emphasis on you know, uh, 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 the vessels of the Lord, which are dead, you know, when, you know, when, if you recall our studies through the New Testament, when we say, you know, when Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. How we emphasize that that's Paul who says that of himself. He doesn't say that for the church body. He doesn't say that, that, you know, hey, all Christians, we are crucified with Christ. It is no longer us who lives, but Christ who lives in us. He doesn't say that. He speaks For himself. And so we make these distinctions of a person's decision, a person's commitment to the Lord, a person's, you know, who, a person who purposes in his heart, a person who purposes in her heart. And, you know, as for them, as for Paul, as for Chloe, as for Timothy, as for Priscilla, as for Lydia, as for Phoebe, as for Titus, They made their choice. And praise be to the Lord, these these people, male, female, young, old, to me, from my perspective, they're heroes of mine. They're beautiful, beautiful heroes of mine. These are people that I look up to. These are people that I aspire. It's like, oh my goodness, like, wow, look how dead they are in a beautiful way. And then at the same time, it's like, now... Can the verse, you know, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Can that be said of myself? Can it be said of yourself? And along with this measuring with the word of God, along with this accounting of the word of God, there will be times where we reflect back to past choices. Now, sometimes it could be, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, a year ago, a week ago, a day ago, you know, a couple days ago, an hour ago, 10 minutes ago. Sometimes this accounting of past events, it if it's not repented of, listen, I love you, you need to repent. If it's not repented of. You see, sometimes people think like, okay, I've repented, I'm right with the Lord, and you know, that's it. You know, once saved, all was saved. But we've already, if you've been walking with us for a while, we've already established that once saved, all was saved is an unbiblical doctrine. And you reflect back, we reflect back. It's like, oh my goodness, I blew it here. And you know what we do? Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have not said this remember when the lord says you know to him who knows what he ought to do and does not do it to him it is sin sometimes we think of like sin is like okay i haven't killed this guy i haven't beat this guy up i haven't cussed i haven't you know i'm not getting drunk i'm not doing all this other stuff and it's like okay i'm good to go but the bible also says to him who knows what he ought to do and does not do it whoa now it's a different ball game And the Bible says to him, it is sin. You see, it's like, wow, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me because, you know, I should have done this. I should have said this. But I didn't do this. I didn't say this. I was quiet. And sometimes, you know, you feel that urging of the spirit. And it's like, wow, I should say this. I should say this to this person. I should say that to this person. I should say whatever to this person. But then you're like afraid. It's like, oh, no, but then, you know, they're going to get mad at me. Or But then it's like, you know, when you feel that urging, it's like, you know, but then all of a sudden you're incapacitated by fear. Wow, I should say this. No, I'm just going to stay quiet. You know, you see somebody crying on a park bench, you know, that's like, oh, my goodness, I should say this to him. Oh, no, 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 I'm not going to say that. And what if it's the Lord that says, hey, I want you to talk to her? Hey, I want you to talk to that guy. What if it's the Lord? Now, I say, what if it's the Lord now? When you have intimacy with the Lord, you know it's the Lord. When you have intimacy with the Lord. And that's the problem, you know, when we when we study the word and we look at all these things, the works of the flesh, the leaven and, you know, not just the works of the flesh, but the seducing of Satan. What that prevents, you know, sometimes we look at it as like, a, you know, like a like a, 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 a like a, like something to shield against and absolutely it is something to shield against the flesh, the world, Satan Yes, absolutely, it is to shield against these things. Those are bad influences and bad influencers. But we look at it in a negative connotation sometimes. When really it's like, you know, to shield against these negative things, to shield against these negative influences, and I shouldn't say negative, that sounds too candy coated. these evil influences and evil influencers. But the reason behind it? Let's look at the reason behind it. Intimacy with the Lord. Oneness with the Lord. Such close intimacy with the Lord that you yield to Him, you yield to His Spirit, you're learning in truth, you're growing, you're maturing in Christ, and there's intimacy with Him. So when you hear us say, like, maybe it's the Lord that's You know, that, that's putting this on your heart. Maybe it's the Lord that's saying, Hey, go talk to this guy. Maybe, maybe it's the Lord that's saying, Hey, go talk to this lady. Maybe it's the Lord that's saying, Hey, you know, make a stand. I don't say that like, you know, like maybe it's the Lord. I mean, I know I said that, but I don't, I don't mean it like maybe it is the Lord. Like we don't know. I say maybe it's the Lord with the understanding of knowing. When you have intimacy with the Lord. Now, intimacy with the Lord, when you shield off all those evil influences and influencers, you will see what intimacy with the Lord looks like. You won't just read about it in the Word of God. You will know it. And then, you know, you will know, no, the Lord wants me to say this. You will know beyond the shadow of the doubt because when the Lord speaks, all doubt, 100% of all doubt dissipates. It's gone because the Lord is speaking and you know it. So when I say, you know, maybe it's the Lord... I don't say it like, you know, do we wonder, you know, is that the Lord? Is that my feelings? Is that this? Is it my, my sensitivities? Is that my emotions? Is it this? Is it that? Is it, you know, I say maybe it's the Lord with an urging for all of us to shield off the evil influences and evil influencers so that we all can have intimacy with the Lord so that it's not a maybe. So that we know this is what the Lord wants. This is what the Lord directs. This is how the Lord leads. Now, I say it. Do you hear me? Say it. But that's a path that few tread. That's a path that very few tread to have that intimacy with the Lord. It's there. It's It's for everybody. The Lord wants it for everybody. We see it in the book of Acts. We see it in the early church. We see it in in the love feast of saints in the early church. But you look at the, the church today and you don't see that. You see? And don't forget the Bible says that to him who knows what he ought to do. You see, I'll add to her who knows what she ought to do. And he doesn't do it and she doesn't do it. To him, it is sin. To her, it is sin. You see, because sometimes we think of sin as like, okay, I don't do drugs. I don't do crack. I don't get drunk. I don't, you know, do the sex. I don't do the Buddha. I don't worship Mary. I don't, you know, do the Ouija boards. I don't do the occult. I don't go to the casinos. And it's like, okay, I'm good to go. But wait, there's more. What is it that the Lord, when you have intimacy with him, intimacy, I mean straight up like, you know, like, you know when the Lord speaks to you, it's not something you read about. It's not something you know. It's like wow, you know, you know. I wish I could be like Paul. Wow, I wish I wish I could be like Lydia. Wow, I wish I could be like Chloe. Wow, I I wish I could be like Samuel. Wow, I wish I could be like Hannah. I wish I could have the faith. Like no, you have, remember uh, Amos? You know, I'm no prophet nor the son of the prophet. And the Lord says, you know, surprise, Amos, you're my guy. I wonder how many among us, what well, the Lord says, that's my guy. That's my gal, and I'm going to use him, I'm going to use her for my purposes. Because sometimes, you know, when we make this distinction in our New Testament studies, we mention it a lot, but in our New Testament studies, you know, it's like we make this distinction between field and worker. We make the distinction between pulpit and pew. Now, if you're in the field, if you're in the pews, That's not a bad thing at all. It is beautiful. But for some, there is a jump to pulpit to pew, from field to worker. How does that happen? Intimacy. Intimacy. You see, we're sitting in the pews and we're shielding i mean say give the, the 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 old example you and me we're sitting in the church pews you and me we're sitting in the church pews we have a, a everything's on point the pastor formulas right elder formulas right sanctuary formulas right body formulas right we're sitting in the pews we're studying the word of god we're hearing the word of god and there we are just you know love feast just straight up love feast and it's so beautiful. You know, gifts of the Spirit. Some people have knowledge. Some, you know, don't forget the greatest gift, which is love. The love chapter, First Corinthians chapter 13. Somebody, somebody speaks in tongues. Not everybody speaks in tongues. Somebody speaks in tongues. Another person speaks in tongues. And then there's an interpreter. Thus saith the Lord. And it's edification for the body. And there's a, a prophet in the church. The gift of prophecy. Thus saith the Lord, and you know, uh, the the Lord, you know, you, you, you see an abuse today, an abuse. When you turn on TBN, Tricking Believers Nightly, you see an abuse of the gifts of the Spirit. And so many times Christians, they either see that and they think like, okay, that's how it's supposed to be. You know, what you see on TBN, Tricking Believers Nightly. But then sometimes people see like, whoa, this is crazy town. And then they come up with the conclusion, well, you know, that's not for today. So that was for 2,000 years ago, which is also wrong. There's no expiration date on the gifts of the Spirit. People say, well, why don't you see it today? Well, have you seen the church? You're not going to see gifts of the Spirit where there's the sex and the drug, you know, pastors who are molesting kids, pastors who are like having sex with everybody, pastors who are getting drunk, pastors who are doing their alcohol, pastors who are doing their, you know, the uh, Ouija boards and going to the casinos. You're not going to see the power of the Spirit. If you do see, you know, like somebody speaking in tongues, and doing, they're faking it. Because the Spirit of the Lord Just like we studied on Sunday The Lord knows those who are His He knows And there's the seal of the Spirit And where you see the seal of the Spirit You're going to see the gifts of the Spirit You see, it's not going to be anything That's made a mockery Of the Word of God Nor of His Spirit Nor of His power It's going to be genuine Genuine Just like Agabus. Remember Agabus in the early church? He comes into the church and says, Hey guys, there's going to be a famine. And what does the church do? They prepare for the famine. So when the famine hits, you know, people are starving all over the place. Except the saints are okay. Why? Because the Lord used Agabus. Spiritual gift. The Holy Spirit gave the the gift of prophecy. Prophecy to agabus not so that agabus can be exalted so oh you know like you know like uh, tbn tricking believers nightly wow this guy has the gift of tongues wow this guy has the gift of prophecy it's like wow, you know everything's about him 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 you look at the tv it's like wow you know study the bible with this guy or you know they don't even say like christianity or church. it's like this guy you know this is his name it's like the name is pleasant no mention of name jesus christ It's all about this guy and wow, look, you know, yeah, prophecy with this guy and this guy, you know. Forget the name. Jesus Christ, he is exalted. You see? And the so-called prophets of today, those who have the, supposedly, have the gifts of the Spirit. Look at what's happening in the church. You see the sex, you see the drugs. You look at the world. You look at the world and everything that's entailed, you know, the the good, the bad and a whole lot of ugly. And then you look at the church and what do you see? No difference. You see the good, the bad and a whole lot of ugly. You see among pastors, among elders, Are those patterns to follow? You see, there's a very specific formula to holiness. Very specific formula to holiness. And so, you know, just like the example we gave, you know, you and me were sitting in the church pews and everything's on point. Formula is beautiful, love feast, and, you know, everything is gifts of the Spirit. And... In obedience to the Lord, in obedience to the Word of God, and the Word became flesh, in obedience to Him, we're shielding. We have our shields up and our swords out, and we're shielding from the evil influence and evil influencers, and everything's on point. And there's intimacy with the Lord. It's not just, you know, hey, let's shield against this for the sake of shielding against this. No, there's a reason behind it. And then there's intimacy with the Lord. Genuine intimacy with the Lord. And then there's the jump where the Lord says, Hey, I want to use you as my vessel. You see, there's a reason why we say only the clean can clean. Look at the warriors. In with Israel, they have victory, victory upon victory upon victory upon victory, but they suffered loss, they suffered casualties because of Achan. We stress formula for a reason. So, yes, it's you know to shield off evil and to shield off the evil influencers. Yes, there's the protection aspect especially on you know the younger generation the younger Christians and you and me we're sitting in the pews and we're doing exactly that we're shielding and it's like it's so beautiful we have a love feast in the fellowship gifts of the spirit and then all of a sudden this the lord says you know what i'm going to use you as my vessel i'm going to use you for whatever it is to be a pastor To be an elder, to be a ministry leader, to be a teacher, to lead in a worship. Because he knows that only the clean can clean. The Lord knows it. I mean, it's all over his word. When you read the Bible and you study the Bible and you look at all these heroes. I'm so in love with these people. Male, female, young, old. You know what the commonality is with all of them? 100% is? All of them. They're clean before the Lord. Where in Old Testament, New Testament, warrior, priest, it doesn't matter. The commonality with all of them is to be clean before the Lord. And they're clean before the Lord. And, you know, the Lord, you know, let's get down to business. Let's handle some business. The problem today, where are the clean? Where are the undefiled? Old Testament, you see, you know, Israel has defiled herself. You see people, this guy has defiled himself. New Testament, this person has defiled himself. It's no different today. Self-inflicted, people defile themselves. You see? And that's what's so beautiful about repentance. You reflect back to a week ago, a month ago, a year ago. If it's unrepentant, listen, repent, get right with the Lord. It keeps our heart nice and soft. Nice, soft jello, our hearts. Nice and soft before the Lord. And when our hearts are soft before the Lord, it helps us with that intimacy. It retains that intimacy with Him. But a heart goes from jello to balsa. It's less intimate. It goes from balsa to maple. Less intimate. You see? Maple to oak. Less intimate. Oak to pine. Less intimate. Pine to stone. That's the Lord. I never knew you. You see? Very specific formula. And that's what's so beautiful about chronicling. We see it in 1st and 2nd Kings and 1st and 2nd Chronicles. We see it here in Joshua 12. But what about in our own personal lives? Sometimes we reflect back on past wickedness. Our own past wickedness and my past wickedness, your past wickedness. And it's like, oh man, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I... And it's like we get so down in the dumps. But don't forget the Lord. But Lord, look at what you have done. Oh my goodness, Lord, you're so good. Because yes, there was the dumps, but... Oh Lord, look at what you have done. And we together, you and me, we can rejoice in the Lord. So beautiful. And not just to rejoice in the Lord, but in having that intimacy with Him, rejoicing in Him, understanding that only the clean can clean, and understanding that intimacy with Him. We have ears to hear and eyes to see. It's not just to sit in the pews and, okay, I sat in the pews and I got my hour in, I listened to a message, got my, you know, hour and a half in, listened to the message, okay, I'm good to go. It's much deeper than that, much, much, much deeper than that. It's intimacy with him. It's an area that few tread, very few tread. But you know what? The remnant, they know all about it. The remnant, they know all about it. Just as you see, if you remember our Old Testament studies, how it became dark, like palpable darkness in Egypt. Where was the light? With God's people. You see? With God's people. We chronicle the events, chronicling in the Old Testament. It's like, wow, Lord, you're so good because, wow, there was, you know, this chastising in the wilderness. But, wow, Lord, you're so good because look at what you have done. Look at this, how beautiful this remnant is. Yes, even in the good, the bad, the ugly, it's like, wow, Lord, look, you fulfilled your promises, but... We remember the golden calf and oh, what such a terrible time that was. But wow, Lord, you're so good because of your goodness upon all Israel. Now, when you reflect back and you consider the goodness of God upon all Israel, who was it that was clean? When all Israel was defiled, who was it that remained undefiled? Moses and Joshua. You see? That's what I'm talking about with intimacy. I'm talking like Moses and Joshua intimacy. I'm talking like Paul and Timothy intimacy. I'm talking like uh, 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 Paul and Chloe intimacy. Lydia intimacy, uh, Phoebe intimacy. I'm talking about like, you know, like deep intimacy with the Lord. I'm not talking about like, you know, sit in the pews and, you know, that's it. When all Israel was defiled, Moses and Joshua. When all Israel was fearful, Joshua and Caleb. You see? And that's what you notice when you study the Bible. It's like, wow. Look how clean this guy is. And when I say clean, it's not like, you know, like, you know, like he's a germaphobe, but he stays clean or she stays clean. I mean, clean before the Lord, a clean heart, a clean mind. Male, female, young, old. I mean, when you study the law and you see that the Lord speaks to the high priest and you look at Eli, the Lord wasn't speaking to him. The Lord spoke to Samuel. You see, I mean, you would think you read the, the the old, you read Torah, and you think like, "Wow, the Lord speaks to Eli. Surely the Lord is with him." But the Lord wasn't with him. The Lord was with Samuel, though. You see, the Lord was with Samuel. And then look at the Lord was with Samuel, and the Lord was using him but look at how his mom greased the skids for that like preparing the way you see it's i keep saying it's so beautiful but i have no words to say the exact beauty of it because it's like it's like i want to say like it's so beautiful times infinity but i don't know the word for that i don't know if there is a word for that but that's what i'm talking about And much of the time that comes through chronicling. Reflecting back on the goodness of God. Rejoicing in Him. Praising Him. Worshipping Him, the Lord. Because He's good. Praise and adoration unto Jesus Christ. Son of the Most High. Because of what He has done. I meant, look at you and me. Look at what we would be without Jesus. Dead, in prison, you know, uh, strung out on whatever. What hope would we have? I mean, <laughs> you might be listening like, well, I've never did that, so <laughs> what are you talking about? But what hope would there be? You see, but because of Jesus, look at how good he is. So when we think of chronicling, do it for yourself. I I, I mean, like do it for yourself, not for yourself, but do it within ourselves, within self. Chronicling what the Lord has done in your life you can taste and see that the lord is good In your intimacy with him very specific formula in warding off the evil influence and evil influencers i mean sometimes you know we get so duty-bound like okay i'm cutting off the evil and the evil is on the outside and yes that's good but it's for that intimacy with the Lord. Don't forget that. It's not just like, okay, you know, we're going to ward off this. We're going to fight. We're going to be watchmen on the wall. And there's this and there's that. And okay, it's we're, we're clean, we're clean, we're clean. And there's a purpose behind doing that. It's not just, okay, we're going to stand on the wall and fight this and ward off evil and evil influence and evil influencers. Yes, we're going to be so rigid about this and rigid about that. And okay, and we're doing a good job and... Yes, those are very necessary things. But just like the walls of any house, there's a beautiful, warm sanctuary on the inside where there's intimacy among those who dwell. But the same could be said of us individually. Yes, we do those things. We ward off these things. We stand against these things, the evil influence and influencers. Yes, we make a stand. But there's intimacy with the Lord. He's the one who says, Abide in me and I in you. Intimacy. You see? And when we consider this chronicle of Joshua 12 and consider the first and second chronicles understanding that it's post captivity with israel and and not just post captivity but a, a reaccounting of first and second kings and you see variation not variation to the truth of events but variation in terms of lessons learned and don't restrict that to just the bible We do it in ourselves. You see? And that's how we learn to walk. Not according to the flesh. But we learn to walk according to the Spirit. Laying aside those things which so easily hinder us. You see, when you reflect back on our study through Romans and learning to walk according to the Spirit. Making the distinction between walking according to the flesh. And then you... Correlate that with our references and studies in Hebrews, laying aside those things which so easily ensnare us. Now, with chronicling, we learn to do those things because you could walk according to the flesh. I'm not advocating that, but just for example, you could walk according to the flesh. And if you have a mindset, well, once saved, I was saved, so you know, no big deal. I walk according to the flesh and you know I repented and I did the altar call when I was ten years old, so I'm good to go, and okay, you're gonna there's 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 no There's limitations to that. When I say there's limitations to that, it's it's a limited walk. It's a dangerous walk too because it's walking according to the flesh. But the religious walk. But when you have a relationship walk, you could walk according to the flesh, but then there's going to be that conviction of the spirit. And when your heart is jello, the heart the, the heart that is jello will repent of Carnal choices. Lord, forgive me. And then the Lord puts you on the right track and you learn to walk according to the Spirit. You see? And you reflect back through chronicling in your own personal walk, through chronicling, through your own personal chronicles. You reflect back wow, you know what? I was walking according to the flesh. I learned the error of my way and wow the Lord is so good and I repented and here I am at a fork in the road. I'm at another decision that I have to make. And I remember that, you know, I felt like a dirt bag when I walked like the flesh. And I felt like a dirt bag and the Lord was so good and he brought me back on the right track and I learned. And now, you know, why did that happen when I was walking according to the flesh? Because I didn't lay aside those things which so easily which so easily ensnare me. And so now I'm going to lay aside those things which so easily ensnare me and I'm not going to go left. I'm not going to walk according to the flesh. I'm going to go right and walk according to the spirit. You see? You see how beautiful that is? And that's how saints, that's how you and me together on this journey. Not just this journey through life. That's too... That's too aimless for me. I'm talking about a journey to paradise. That's how we learn to walk according to the Spirit. You see? So yes, there's all these safety measures in our walk with the lord safety measures in terms of you know we block against this we stand against this we fight against this and you know we we, we 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 fight against the evil and we stand against the evil and the evil influences and evil influencers yes it's so beautiful and just if you've been listening for us for listening to us for a while and even on our sunday studies just like the, the 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 moms at the at the playground, you know, they do a beautiful job, and you know they they're protecting the kids in the playground, and they're watching out for the freaks on the outside, making sure the kids are safe. But don't forget that in that playground, the kids are having fun. The kids are laughing. They're playing. There's green pastures and still waters. The kids are having a blast. Don't forget that. And we, when we embody that in the life of a Christian, don't forget that intimacy with the Lord. And that happens through chronicling. You see? And that's what we see here in Joshua 12. A chronicling. It's what we see in First and Second Chronicles. And in our own lives, it's what we see when we chronicle. And so let's look at verse 1 here. Joshua 12, verse 1. <clears throat> These are the kings of the land whom the children of Israel defeated. Now, remember, Deuteronomy 9, where, you know, it's, the Lord says to Moses, it's not because you're awesome. You see, he says, you know, you are a stiff-necked people. It's not because you're awesome. It's because of their wickedness. And this is fulfillment, promises to Abraham, not fulfillment of the law. When Israel enters the promised land, it's fulfillment of promises to Abraham, which is incredibly beautiful. But don't forget that there's qualifiers in place. I mean, from Abraham to now. I mean, when, if you've been walking with us for a while and you reflect back to our studies through Genesis and you see God's promise to Abraham promises to Abraham and here we are in Joshua 12 a lot of chastisement has happened and even judgment has happened but look at the remnant you see, look at the remnant The beautiful, beautiful remnant. And then, like, a little, like, we look at the remnant, which is beautiful, but then you look at the leadership of the remnant. Moses, Joshua, Caleb, the elders under Joshua, Aaron even. After repentance and being right with the Lord, look at Aaron. That's what I love so much about Aaron, because you look at his wickedness. Like, he's the one who fashioned the golden calf. He's the one instructed, you know, hey, give me your gold. And through repentance, high priest. You see, the Lord can fix anyone. The question is, who is willing And so you see here in verse 1, And whose land they possessed on the other side of the Jordan toward the rising of the sun. Now, this is east of the Jordan. This is under Moses. Now, remember, Moses himself was restricted from crossing because he misrepresented the Lord. He himself had the tap-tap from the Lord. He himself had the chastisement of the Lord. That first generation dies. Except for two. Joshua and Caleb. And so we see this toward the rising of the sun. This is east of the Jordan from the river Arnon to Mount Hermon and all the eastern Jordan plain. In verse 2, one king was Sihon, king of the Amorites. Now, the, the king of the Amorites in this battle with King Sihon, that, that reflects back to our study through Numbers 21. And this is after, 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 after the serpent was lifted on the pole. Remember the words of Jesus? As Moses lifted the serpent, so too shall the Son of Man be lifted, that he who looks upon him shall be saved. These things were written for our admonition, for our example, to help us. In verse 2, the the one king was Sihon, king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Heshbon and ruled half of Gilead. From Aror, which is on the bank of the river Arnon, from the middle of that river, even as far as the river Jabok, which is the border of the Ammonites. And the eastern Jordan plain from the Sea of Heneroth, this is the Sea of Galilee, the region of the Sea of Galilee, as far as the Sea of Arabah, which is translates as the Salt Sea, but it translates as the Dead Sea. The road to Beth Jeshimoth and southward toward the slopes of Pisgah. The other king was Og, king of Bashan and his territory, who was the remnant of the giants. Now, in our prior studies in Numbers and Deuteronomy, we see giants and People of stature in reference to Nephilim. And here in the Hebrew, it's Rafa, Rafa. Now, there are passages in the Old Testament which refer to Nephilim and giants. Now, when we look at giants in the Old Testament and how... We study how I teach is they're really big people, really big people. Now, there's an NBA player by the name of Shaquille O'Neal. You might have heard of him. He's a really big guy. I always think of him when I think of the giants. I'm like, wow, you know, these guys are huge. Like, you know, like he could like flick a finger and you'll you'll fly like a hundred yards. You know, these guys are giants, and that's what I always reflect on. You know, very rarely will we get into. I mean, when we mention giants, there is Old Testament examples of Nephilim, fallen angels, and. We have to be very careful in deviating from the Word of God because what happens is a lot of people will turn to extra-biblical teachings, especially from the book of Enoch. The book of Enoch does not align to Scripture. The book of Enoch speaks of angelic entities that In an unbiblical manner. It doesn't align with the truth of God's holy word. And so we're very careful on you know in, in, in what we never want to do is deviate from the word of God. And sometimes you hear people say, Well, you know, well the, the you know, the, we, we look at the Apocrypha too, you know, we go to the we go to the book of Enoch, we go to the Apocrypha. Well, look at all the denominations that have done that. The Roman Catholic Church. You see? Where are they now? That's why, you know, when you look at deviation from truth, sometimes you see major deviation from truth, such as Roman Catholics, Roman Catholicism. And you see major deviation from truth to where it's like, wow, that's not even biblical Christianity. But then you look at the history books. How did this come to pass? Well, and you start to look at the Original steps. I mean, if, if, if somebody is in, uh, Los Angeles and all of a sudden they're in Miami, but, you know, Miami, Florida, but they think they're in Los Angeles. Somebody who's in, you know, a resident of Los Angeles and then somehow they're, they are in Miami, Florida and they think they're in Los Angeles. And then, you know, it takes a lot to prove to that person, look, you know, I know you think you're in Southern California, but you're not. You're in Miami, Florida. And you have to show that person, look it, this is Miami, Florida. This is what the waterways look like. And, you know, let's, you know, let's look at the map. And here you are here. You see where the map says this. And you look over here. You see that building over there. Okay, you're in Miami. And then the person realizes, wow, I thought I was in Los Angeles the whole time. How did I get here? Well, the first step, the first step, the second step, the third step, the fourth step, the fifth step, you know, take a million steps and boom, the guy's in uh, Miami. Now, that's a that's a example of the exact same thing that happens in studying the word of God. Because so many times people want to learn about, well, you know, I want to learn about, you know, how to be a prayer warrior. So they'll go out and check out this book and get to buy the book. And it's like, wow, you know, this guy speaks about this and he teaches about this. But remember, only the clean can clean. Only the clean can clean. What does his intimacy with the Lord look like? If he starts to teach things that are unbiblical, there's no intimacy with the Lord. Who in the world does he have intimacy with? You see, remember Hymenaeus and Philetus in our study on Sunday? Who in the world do they have intimacy with? When they start teaching these things that are outside the Bible, understand the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh. Intimacy, where you see intimacy with the Lord, you will not see deviation away from truth. Because the person is intimate with the Lord. And so that's why when we look at giants, there are some passages which reference Nephilim, fallen angels. There are some passages which mentions, like here in verse 4, Rafa, Rafa, which is, you know, really big people. And I think of like Shaquille O'Neal. No offense, you know, Sha- Shaquille, you know. No offense, if, if you happen to be listening, come to Christ, repent, believe in Jesus. You know, even if you're not Shaquille O'Neal, repent, believe in Jesus. But I'm just saying, when I think of the giants, I just think, wow, this guy's really big. I mean... Put yourself in, 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 in Israel's shoes when the Lord says, hey, the Canaanites, you know, go, go to war against the Canaanites. And what if everybody, it's not just like one shack. What if Shaq was a little guy and it's like everybody's like twice the size of Shaq and you have to fight him? You know, now you see why Israel was afraid. Because they were thinking carnally. And because they were fearful, not of the Lord, but of the Canaanites. The Lord says, "Okay, your forty-year journey is now going to be eleven days." And then they says, "Well, we don't want eleven. Or instead of 11, we don't want forty years. So, okay, now we're going to go fight the Canaanites." It's like, well, hold on a second. Where the Lord says to Moses, "Moses, tell the children of Israel, tell them not to go to war." Did the Lord change his mind? No, Israel changed their heart. Because now in their heart, in the formula of their heart is the fear of the Canaanites. When the formula of their heart should be the fear of the Lord, the formula in their heart was wrong. And because the formula of their heart was wrong, they lost. You see? Look at the formula of the heart of Achan. Because it was wrong, they lost. Casualties. Formula, 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 fear of the Lord, love of the Lord, trust in the Lord, all these beautiful attributes. You see? I don't want to get like overly off topic by mentioning the, you know, these giants, but. You know, sometimes, you know, people go in there they like, okay, like who are these giants? So I'm going to study more. And then, you know, they look online, they see, oh, the book of Enoch. And then they go into the book of Enoch and then they learn things that are outside the Bible. And then somebody say, well, you want to learn more about this, what Enoch writes about? Okay, now let's go to the Apocrypha and look at the book of this, the book of that, the book of this. And then all of a sudden, just like the guy who thinks he's in Los Angeles, but he's really in Miami, they've deviated away from truth. The book of Enoch is unbiblical. The book of Enoch is unbiblical. People say, well, the Catholics use it. There you go. Proof is in the pudding. They're in Miami. They think they're in Los Angeles, but they're in Miami. Now, if you're Catholic, I love you. If you're Catholic, I love you. Catholicism is unbiblical. It is not biblical Christianity. Now, if you're Catholic and you want to know more, go to thewayunderground.com and there's resources there for Catholics. You'll understand more. And I say this to you as a former Catholic. The Lord rescued me from Catholicism. You see? People say, well, Jude quoted Enoch. Did Jude quote Enoch? Did Jude quote Enoch? Or was it the spirit of the Lord the same spirit of the Lord that was with Enoch is the same spirit of the Lord that was with Jude. You see? Look at Peter. Remember when the religious leaders were marveling like, "Who is this guy? He didn't go to he didn't go to university with us? He's not educated. He didn't go to higher education, higher academia like we did. You know, we're the elite class." And who is this? This pipsqueak uh, uh, Peter. Who is this guy? He's just a fisherman. What does he know? Now the fishermen were the dregs of society, so to speak. Blue collar. What could he know? He didn't. He's not an elite. He didn't go to Yale like we did. He didn't go to Harvard like we did. He didn't go to Oxford like we did. Who is this guy? What is he? And then they remember when Peter was schooling them, Peter was teaching them. I shouldn't say teaching them. But he was schooling them big time. And they marveled, "Who is this fisherman? Who is this? A fisherman is like what? Blue collar? He didn't go to higher academia like we did. He's not the. He's not a teacher of the law." And they marveled at the wisdom that was in Peter. Now, Peter wasn't in their learning circles, but he walked with Jesus. He walked with Jesus. You see. These are things that must be understood even more so as we get further into the events of the last days where it is prophesied. There will be a falling away. There will be the the people in Miami who think they're in Los Angeles but they're not in Los Angeles. They're in Miami. You see? And we don't want to be in Miami. We want to be in Los Angeles. Metaphorically speaking, if you live in Miami, I love you. God bless you. I love you. But just... We want to be in the truth of God's holy word. You see? The truth of God's holy word. No deviation away from truth. Where you see deviation from teachers, pastors, elders, where you see deviation from truth, you know what? That person is not intimate with the Lord. There is no intimacy with the Lord. Because when there's intimacy with the Lord and the word became flesh, You will see adherence to his word. You see? And what is taught, how the vessel lives, you will see alignment with the things of the Lord. But where there's no intimacy with the Lord, you will see the works of the flesh. You won't see the works of the Spirit. You'll see the fakery of the works of the Spirit, but you'll see the works of the flesh. You'll see deviation away from truth. You see? And these are people that you should not submit to. Never submit to these people. And when I say submit, I mean like submit, because the Bible says submit yourself to the pastor. But understand, in the pastor, there must be biblical qualifiers in place that, you know, we're studying the pastoral epistles. Now, if you're not a pastor, you know, praise the Lord that we, we have these pastoral epistles so that we know who is it? What are the qualifications? What do I look for in a man? Pastors always nail what do I look for in a man? What do you look for in a man to know it is safe to submit myself to him? Because he's watching out for my soul. You see? But just a blanket statement like, you know, I'm going to submit myself to just any run-of-the-mill pastor? No way. No way. Very, very specific formula. So we see in verse 4, uh, the, the, the other king, Og, king of Bashan and his terry, who was a remnant of the giants who dwelt at Ashtaroth and at Edrei, in verse 5, and reigned over Mount Hermon, over Salka, over all Bashan, as far as the border of the Geshurites and the Makathites. And over half of Gilead to the border of Sihon, king of Heshbon, these Moses, the servant of the Lord, and the children of Israel had conquered. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, had had given it as a possession to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh. Now, this is, remember, we're east of the Jordan. Remember verse 1, you know, uh, on the other side of the Jordan toward the rising of the sun. That's what it says in verse 1. So it's east of the Jordan. And remember the Reubenites, the Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh, they came to Moses and say, you know, they, they were like, you know, Moses, you know, this area looks like it's nice for our flock. And, it, you know, can we stay here? Moses went to the Lord and he comes back to the people and says, OK, you guys can stay here, but you still have to cross over and fight. You know, you can have this area, but that doesn't mean it's your way to get out of the fight. And so they said, OK. And this is under Moses toward the rising of the sun in verse 1. Now we see in verse 7. And these are the kings of the country which Joshua and the children of Israel conquered on this side of the Jordan on the west. Now, remember, this is like a chronicle. I mean, We've studied Torah, Genesis, Exodus, uh, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and at this particular junction in Joshua twelve, Moses has died already, and in Joshua twelve, we're we're doing a chron. I mean, verse one to verse six, it's a chronicling. This is what the Lord did, but it was through Moses, and this the this this uh, 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 chronicling is something that has already happened, but it's a chronicling of events. I mean, if you've been listening to our I mean, like just like straight up in verse two. That's verse two is from Numbers 21 real time. Verse two is from Numbers 21 in real time. Numbers 21. And here we are in Joshua 12, a chronicling of events. Now, if you've been walking with us for a while, consider your own growth. Consider your own growth in the Lord. And when you consider your own growth in the Lord looking back to Numbers 21, when, when that happened, when that particular day, our study in Numbers 21, and here we are in Joshua 12. Now, in the case of Israel, look at everything that has happened. But in the case of you, my beautiful brother, you, my beautiful sister, look at all that has happened. And that's what we mean when we say chronically. Look at all that has happened, your growth in the Lord, your maturing in the Lord. And yes, maybe even the tap-taps from the Lord, little chastisement. Remember, the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. so now we get into joshua here in verse 7 and these are the kings of the country which joshua and the children of israel conquered on this side of the jordan on the west from belgad in the valley of lebanon as far as mount halak and the ascent to seir which joshua gave to the tribes of israel as a possession according to their divisions In the mountain country, in the lowlands, in the Jordan plain, in the slopes, in the wilderness, and in the south, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now, in verse 7, we see that, you know, that Joshua gave to the tribes of Israel as a possession according to their divisions. But these instructions were given to Moses. Moses told the instructions to Israel. But then he told them to Joshua. And so Joshua is carrying out, just like we see uh, 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 Paul and Timothy. When Paul is saying, you know what, this, you know, Timothy, do this. Do that. This is what is pleasing to the Lord. And so Timothy, do this. You see these behavior traits of godly pastors, godly teachers, godly leadership. It's not carnal leadership that says oh you know like you know look look at uh, 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 John the Baptist when his students his disciples John the Baptist his students his disciples said you know you know what do we do you're our teacher and here he is speaking of Jesus the Messiah here he is what do we do and it's so beautiful because you don't see John the Baptist say You know, oh, you know what, you guys are mine, you guys are mine, you guys are mine, you guys are mine. You don't see like, you know, like, you know, don't go to him, don't go to him. You guys have to, I have to build my empire. I have to establish my empire here. And No, you know what he says? You must go to him. You must go to him. He must increase. I must decrease. Now, if you're a pastor, if you're in ministry... If you're a teacher, if you're an elder, never forget that. Never, ever, ever, ever forget that. Because if you're a worker, remember, make the distinction between field and worker. We work in his field. We work in his build, building. We work for his kingdom. You see, just like John the Baptist, he must increase, I must decrease. And then they leave, and what happens to him? Beheading. You see? And it's beautiful. Now, carnally speaking, you might be like, well, beheading is beautiful. The aftermath... The aftermath, paradise, oneness. You see? And so here you see, and it's like, wow, you know, the, the Lord gave these instructions to Moses to, you know, the inheritance. Remember, you know, it was it was all male. The inheritance was all male, and then the ladies come to Moses, and you know, know, what what about if you know, you know, all these scenarios pop up? Well, what about if there's no male heirs, and you know, does that mean that we're left out of the inheritance? And what does Moses do? He goes to the Lord. I love that so much. He goes to the Lord. You know, when when the men came to him, well, we want to stay on this side of the Jordan. What what, what does what does Moses do? He goes to the Lord. The ladies come to Moses, you know, what does Moses do? He goes to the Lord. And by the intercession of these beautiful females, he goes back to them and says, listen, you have you have inheritance as well. When these scenarios apply, when there's no male headship, then okay, you have inheritance too. Don't forget, first generation, dead. You look at that first census in the book of Numbers, all male. You look at the sense, second census, female inclusion. You see? Second census, female inclusion. And in Christ, no male, no female. Slave, free, Jew, Gentile, it doesn't matter. Oneness in Christ. And these instructions given to Moses for the inheritance. Moses isn't doing it. It's Joshua who's doing it. Moses has died. But Moses passed it on to the next generation of leadership you see and so you know we get to in in verse 8 when we have this accounting of these these this chronicle of these peoples now remember this is under the war footing of israel but we've seen in verse 1 through 6 that's under moses and now we're looking under joshua the war footing of israel under both these leaders this is after the serpent was lifted after the serpent was lifted very important to remember that from numbers 21 this is after the serpent was lifted and jesus says as moses lifted the serpent so too shall the son of man that all who look upon us shall be saved and then once the serpent is lifted And then the battle begins. You know, the king of Sihon. The battle begins. This is under the leadership of Moses at Gennaroth, which is the region of Galilee. And then you continue studying the Bible and you see that the early ministry of Jesus was also in the region of Galilee. You see? And then later... His later ministry was toward the Dead Sea. You see? Toward the Dead Sea. Toward Araba, Just like we see in verse 3. In verse 3 here in the eastern Jordan plain from the Sea of Genaroth, which is the Sea of Galilee, as far as the Sea of Arabah, the, the Salt Sea or the Dead Sea. And then you reflect back on The earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, beginning in Galilee and ending near the Dead Sea, crucified in Jerusalem. Very similar movement of Moses, Gennaroth to Arabah, or Galilee to the Dead Sea. And don't forget that Moses didn't pass into the Promised Land. Moses died. No entry into the promised land. Entry happens with Joshua. Only two of the first generation, it was Joshua and Caleb that passed into the promised land. Because in them, the formula was right. No fear of the Lord. Or, you know, the people didn't have fear of the Lord. They did. Everybody feared the Lord. And everybody feared the Canaanites. And it spread throughout the the land. It spread throughout the camp of Israel. There were only two who feared the Lord. Everybody feared the Canaanites. And in these two, where the formula was right, we see passage into the promised land. Moses, you know, you know, you see Caleb and Joshua as a, a type of Christ and Spirit. But Moses also a type of Christ who dies. Moses, a type of Christ. Fulfillment of the law, who dies, no entry into the promised land. And then Joshua, a type of Christ. Fulfillment not of law, but fulfillment of promise, who lives and passes into the promised land with Caleb, a type of spirit. So many times in rabbinical teachings, two messiahs, two messiahs, multiple messiahs. No, only one. One who lives, one who dies, one who resurrects, and one who returns. His name is Jesus. For my Jewish friends, I love you. One messiah, two comings. We continue in this chronicling of events in verse 9 the king of Jericho one remember we're chronicling now we, see these are things that we've studied I mean like in, in, in verse 3 we were in king of Sihon we reflect back to numbers 21 which you've been if you've been walking with us for a while that's going back quite a bit in terms of the things that we've studied the subject matter that we've studied a lot has happened in Israel a lot has happened in our studies a lot has happened in our own walks with the Lord in terms of our growth and maturing in Christ and here we are in verse nine now. Jericho, we just studied that. We don't we don't go back as far as Numbers twenty one. That was under Moses, but under Joshua, we were just we just studied Jericho a couple weeks ago. In verse nine, the king of Jericho won. The king of Ai, which is beside Beth El, won. And we know what happened with Ai, two campaigns. One first campaign, loss, casualties. Second campaign, victory. And we know why victory came. We know why defeat came to Achan. Listen to our study through Joshua 7, you'll understand more. In verse 10, the king of Jerusalem won, the king of Hebron won, the king of Jarmuth won, the king of Lakish won, the king of Eglon won, the king of Gezer won, the king of Debir won, the king of Geder won, the king of Horma won, the king of Arad won, the king of Libna won, the king of Adullam won, the king of Makeda won, the king of Bethel won, the king of Tapua won, the king of Hefer won, the king of Efek won, the king of Lashal one the king of Madon one the king of Hazor one the king of Shimron Meron one the king of Akshav one the king of Tanakh one the king of Megiddo one the king of Kadesh one the king of Joknam in Carmel one the king of Dor in the heights of door one the king of the people of Gilgah one the king of Tirsa one all the kings 31, all the kings, 31. What's so powerful and beautiful about Joshua 12 is just this chronicling. And I don't mean chronicling in terms of, you know, hey, let's record this and let's, you know, record this so we have it as in our history. And yes, there's the beautiful attributes of that. But when you reflect back all the way to Numbers 21 and this accounting, after the serpent was lifted, Moses dies, Joshua and Caleb pass. And in this chronicling, Yes, there's the historical record of the sequence of events and understanding in the sequence of events what the Lord has done and is doing in real time in Joshua 12. But who is it that remembers? Who is it that remembers and who is it that will remember? Because... In very short order, Joshua's going to die. The elders under the leadership of Joshua are going to die. And you know what happens in the camp of Israel? They forget. They forget the Lord. Now, if you're Jewish, I love you. This isn't to say like, well, you know, shame on Israel, shame on Israel. No, it is a shame. But it's not to say, you know, shame on Israel. Like, you know, how dare you, how dare you, how dare you. Because Christians do it too. Christians do it too. They forget the Lord. But when you understand chronicles. And I don't mean the books. I mean chronicling. And when you do it in oneself. You do it in yourself. Yourself. These are protective to help us not forget the Lord, even when everybody else forgets the Lord. There's a specific formula and recipe and way for the remnant. For the remnant. You see? It's beautiful. And the Lord knows those who are His. Just like we studied on Sunday. The Lord knows those who are His. You see? And these are things that we're going to study even deeper as we continue to... You're going to understand. Remember in, in our study through the through, through Torah? Torah, how we made mention of, you know, we have this backdrop and this base plate of the law. And it will help us understand when when the people forget the lord and through our study in torah you're gonna understand why the lord does what he does you know a lot of chastisement a lot of correction but all he's doing is exactly what he said he would do you see blessings of obedience curses for disobedience and then you're also going to understand why his eyes get set on Hannah. Why his eyes get set on Samuel. Why his eyes are set on Isaiah and Jeremiah and Amos. Because when all Israel forgets. And that's what's so powerful about the prophets. Because when the prophets are active. and Maybe I shouldn't say active. But when the prophets are activated by the Lord. When you know Amos says, I'm no prophet nor the son of the prophet, the Lord says, Hey, Amos, you're my vessel, and this is what I'm going to do through you. You're a prophet. Activated. Samuel, activated. Jeremiah, activated. Ezekiel, activated. Zechariah, activated. You're my vessel. But, when those things happen when the when the lord calls those prophets there are already priests there are already elders which when you look at the law the lord in accordance to the law i almost said the lord should be talking to the high priest you know and i don't i don't want to Forgive me for putting it like that, but in accordance to the law, yes, the Lord, sh- I don't want to say like, you know, the Lord should be talking to the priest like, you know, but in accordance to the law, absolutely. That's what he says, that he will talk to the high priest and the high priest will come out of the, the Holy of Holies and, you know, thus said the Lord and speak to the people. This is what the Lord wants and the people will do what the high priest says and, you know, everything's. Kosher. Everything is beautiful. But why doesn't that happen? Why is it that the priests are activated? Why is it that you see the prophets that are active? Why is it you don't see the elders that are activated? Why is it that you see the, the prophets? Now, some of the prophets were, you know, in the priesthood. Some of the prophets were sons of priests, which... If you've been walking with us for a really long time, you remember our studies through the minor prophets. But we'll get to them again eventually in the Lord's time. But there's already elders and priests and uh, 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 the Levitical priesthood and, you know, kohanim and high priests. And according to the law, there's a specific formula where the Lord communicates to the people through The priesthood, I shouldn't say through the priesthood, but through a high priest. But you don't see that. Why is it that the Lord speaks to, to and through, Jeremiah? And to and through, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Samuel. You see? What does that say of the formula inside the priesthood? What does that say of the formula and recipe inside the priesthood, inside the Levites, inside uh, the Kohanim? You see? I mean, when you get to Isaiah, when, when the Lord straight up says, you know, these offerings are nothing. These offerings mean nothing. That's what the Lord says. I mean, you read Torah and it's like, wow, these sacrifices and offerings, it's beautiful. And this is what the Lord, this is what the Lord desires. It's a sweet aroma unto the Lord. But then you read the prophets and it's like, now it's disgusting to the Lord. It is no longer a sweet aroma. It is a stench to the Lord. How can this be? Did the Lord change his mind? No people change their heart. The formula is wrong. And so the prophets are activated. I mean, if you've ever been in like a, a, you know, it just so happens that we talked about, you know, the military campaigns on Sunday and from time to time we'll speak about military campaigns. But if you've ever been on active duty, active duty, you're, you know, you train. You know, you have a, a periods of time where you're on uh, in garrison, and you train, and you train, you deploy in certain training environments, and you're kind of like in waiting warriors in waiting, so to speak. When when the orders come, boom, activated. I mean, you're in active duty, and you're you're warriors in waiting. And then the command comes, okay, we're on deployment. And even on deployment, okay, we got a hot zone over here. Weapons hot environment, activated. But the activation, the actual conduct in activation, precursory to that was training, equipping, understanding, learning. Just like with Joshua, our study. Remember Joshua 1? That was a tough study. Like for me, that was a tough study to teach because I love, I love, I love the promises of God. But there's a formula for it. I mean, we look at Joshua 1 and all these promises of God and you know, I don't like referring to verses as like magnet verses and poster verses and sticker verses. I don't like doing that. But yet, these are things that must be said because we treat it like that. Yes, Joshua 1, the promises of God in Joshua 1, beautiful. But look at the life of Joshua. You see the activation of Joshua in, you know, Joshua 1, yes, activated. But look at his prior decisions when he was little Joshua. Look at his prior choices when he was young man Joshua. You see? What about you and me? We lean on the promises of God, but... What about conduct unto the Lord? Behavior unto the Lord? And The Lord knows those who are His. And just like when the Torah has these rules on, you know, how the Lord speaks and who the Lord speaks to... It's not to say that the Lord can't speak to the high priest and through the high priest. The problem is the high priest. And so he says, okay, Jeremiah. Okay, Ezekiel. Even Ezekiel kind of wrestled with the Lord a little bit. Like, you know, Lord, you have all these people. You have the priests. You have these people that you can, you know, Isaiah, you know, it's so powerful when. Remember, it's the Lord who says, come and let us reason together. It's the Lord who says that, come and let us reason together. And you see people do exactly that. (laughs) When Ezekiel, (laughs) Ezekiel's kind of bold. (laughs) But when the Lord says, you know, Ezekiel, this is what I want you to do. And, you know, Ezekiel, you know, he doesn't say like, you know, hold on a second, Lord. He doesn't say it like that. But in a sense, he kind of does, you know, like, well, Lord, you know, you have these people. Because Isaiah knows Isaiah knows Torah. He knows, Lord, you, 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 you teach in Torah that, you know, you use these people and look, there's these people. I see it with my own eyes, Lord. I see like, you know, look, there's the elders, there's a priest over here, the priest over there and the elders. Look, you got all these people and you're calling me, Lord? I mean, you know, he's a little bold and, you know, not to suggest that he was irreverent because he was absolutely reverent unto the Lord, but he knew the law. And for the Lord to say, Hey, Isaiah, I want to use you here. Or Ezekiel, I want to use you here. And Ezekiel knowing the law. But, but Lord, you know, you 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 have this guy, this guy, this group of people. And your law says you speak to them. And the Lord says, Okay. Okay. You really think, Ezekiel, that I have these people? It's not to say that, you know, the Lord doesn't say, like, I can speak to these people. Because the law says that he will speak to these people and through these people. So what's the problem? Formula. That's the problem. And so the Lord says, okay, Ezekiel, step into my office. I'm going to show you some things. And then he says, okay, put your finger in the wall here. Put your finger in this, in this wall. And Ezekiel, in obedience to the Lord, puts his finger in the wall. And then the Lord says, okay, now look through the hole. And he looks and sees, and in this vision that he had from the Lord, all these people that he was speaking of, you know, where Ezekiel says, Well, look, you got the priest over here, you got these elders, you got all these holy people. I'm doing my air quotes. You got all these holy people, Lord, why don't you use them? And then Ezekiel looks through the hole, and he sees... All those so-called holy people. I'm doing my air quotes. All those so-called holy people. He sees the sex. He sees all kinds of, you know, the the orgies. He sees all kinds of gross, disgusting things. And the Lord says, listen, you think that guy's holy? This is what I'm working with. This is how defiled they are. Where with his carnal eyes, Ezekiel says, look, you got all these priests. Look, you got... You got this guy, you get this guy, you got all of these people, and you're calling me Lord? I mean, he didn't do it in a a reverent fashion. I'm just, you know, paraphrasing a little bit. With all reverence unto the Lord, and the Lord says, okay. Let me show you what I'm working with. Let me show you formula. Because in Torah, there's a very specific formula. Abodah, abodah mishkan. Remember our study in Leviticus? Abodah, abodah mishkan. Very specific formula for the priesthood. Very specific. And so Ezekiel looks to the hole and sees all kinds of disgusting things: the sex, the orgies, the whole nine yards. And then the Lord, you think like, okay, he's done. No, the Lord says, okay, now come with me. I'm going to show you things even worse than that. And that happens a series of times where Ezekiel's just shocked. He looks in the first hole is wrong. Within the priests. I'm doing my air quotes, with the priesthood. The formula's wrong. He looks in the next, formula's wrong. And all these people, worship of other gods, all these things that Ezekiel sees, that the Lord shows him. You know, the Lord says, to, you know, come let us reason together. And the Lord is reasoning with him. I love that so much because it's this beautiful invitation where the Lord says, come, let us reason together. And that's what Ezekiel is doing. He's reasoning with the Lord in reverence, not in a reverent manner, with a noble heart. Lord, you're calling me. You say you want to use me. You you say you want to do this. You say you want to do that. But look, you have all these people. He's just reasoning with the Lord. You have all these people. They have the, doing my air quotes, they have the qualifications. And then the Lord shows him they're disqualified. They disqualify themselves. The Lord shows him the formula is wrong. They might look it. They might look like they're holy. They might wear the garb. They might wear this. But the formula in their heart, where you can't see, Ezekiel, the formula, the makeup of their mind, the makeup of their heart they might dress the part, they might look the part, but they're not the part. They are apart from me. But I've been watching you, Ezekiel. You're not apart from me. I mean, look. I mean, just the fact that Ezekiel knew to reference Torah and say, but you have all these people. He knew that the formula in accordance with the Torah was like, okay, you have these priests, you have these elders. He knew that. And yet the Lord says, no, the formula is wrong in them. I'm not going to use them. I can't use them. But I'm going to use you, Ezekiel. The Lord does it with Isaiah, Jeremiah, Zephaniah, Amos, Joel. He does it with Hosea. All these beautiful people. Yes, there's the priesthood. Carnally speaking, yes, there's the priesthood. Yes, there's the, the priest and the Kohanim, the, Levit, the, the Levitical priesthood. There's all these things. But who is it that the Lord speaks to? You say, okay, I get it. That's Old Testament. Okay, you, you beat that horse to death. Okay, now that's the Old Testament. But what about today? What about today? You figure there's, pa- there's churches on every street corner, so which means that there's pastors on every street corner. There's pastors on this street corner. There's pastors on that street corner. There's pastors everywhere. But who is it? When you understand formula, who is it that has intimacy with the Lord? Who is it that the Lord uses it? Look at Paul when he says, you have 10,000 teachers. Look at Chloe. Look at Chloe in the midst of Corinth. Where does she worship? She understands formula. I mean, when you put yourself in Chloe's sandals, who, who, who is it? What man? You, you put yourself in Chloe's, I mean, you know, especially for my, my, my sisters in Christ, you put yourself in Chloe's sandals, just straight up. Who is it? Of the pastors, man, man, what man can you submit yourself to you see what i'm saying and i'm not talking like husband relationship i'm talking about pastoral relationship when you look you put yourself in chloe's sandals when you have defunct pastors all over the place and the works of the flesh to prove it who is it that you can submit yourself to when you understand formula Not a lot. I mean, in the case of Chloe, no one. No one. You see? Except Paul. You see? And Paul taught her. And you look at, you know, Chloe was in the mix. When everybody learned, Chloe was in the mix. When everybody learned, everybody was in a state of babyness, everybody was in their babyhood, everybody, all the, the, the camp of the church in Corinth, everybody was in their state of babyness. Everybody stayed on milk. Except for Chloe. She moved on to perfection. Everybody was a milk drinker. Except for Chloe, she was a meat eater. You see, she made her choice. And vessel Chloe, the Lord used her to clean house in Corinth. Now, because she's female, who did she go to? She went to Paul, her male covering. See, just like we see in the Old Testament where Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, but Lord, you have all these people, you have the priests, you have the elders, you have all these people that you can use. Yes, yes, the Lord can use them in terms, you know, he's able, well, he can use them, but he can't use them. Not because of him, because of their choices, they've become defiled. And so he used the prophets and the same today. There's all these pastors today, all these elders today, all these teachers today, all these ministries today. But who is it? Where are the Chloes? Where are the Pauls? Where are the Tituses? Where are the Timothys? You see? Where are the Epaphroditus? The body of Christ. The body of Christ. Well, yes, there's... There's churches on every street corner. But I'm talking about the remnant. Something different. Not a little bit different. A lot of bit different. You see? And these are things that we understand in deeper ways through chronicling. You see? In the course of time, in the camp of Israel, people will forget the Lord. Except the remnant. But there's nothing new under the sun because in the course of time, the church will forget Jesus. But not so with the remnant. They will remember and they know and the Lord knows them, those who are his. To the beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.